0: Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG pod wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, gentle listener. Michael Kist here with a quick note about today's show. What you're going to be hearing today is part one, or the first half of BGN Radio 126 with Jimmy Kemsky and Brandon Lee Gowton, covering two teams from Jimmy's excellent Dumpster Fire series. Those two teams are the New York Football Giants and the Washington Football Team. In part two, which will be released soon, you'll get the second half of the show, which focuses on the Dallas Cowboys. The reason for the split is due to some technical issues on my end, it's too boring to explain, And I apologize for the abrupt ending to this show and the cold open to the next one. Thank you for bearing with me on this, and we appreciate the support as always. So, with that qualified, BGN Radio coming up, episode 126, part one. Let's go. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky.
1: What's going on, everybody? It's BGN radio episode number 126. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of bleedinggreennation.com. I am Jimmy Kemsky from Phillyvoice.com. Brandon, what's going on, buddy?
0: Jimmy, I want to start us off with a song, a special guest appearance here by the one, the only, Alan Williams. Okay. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With Jimmy's Dumpster Fire series featuring (laughs) vitriolic trolling, you'll be of good (laughs) cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year.
1: Oh, wait, there's a second verse?
0: It's the roast, roastiest division of them all. With those Dave Gettleman gaffs and those Dallas delusions, Washington has a racist team name. <laughs> it's the roast, roastiest division of them all. Very well done, buddy. Thank you. Well, it wasn't me. It was Alan Williams. Uh, but yeah, thank you. I'll, I will relay the message. And of course, Jimmy, as you know, BGN Radio is presented to you by Righteous Felon Craft Turkey. Now, you can eat the same meat snacks that the Eagles do. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use discount code BGN15. That's BGN15 at checkout for 15% off orders of $50 or more. I had Fal Capone, by the way. Delicious. Nice. There you go. Get it. You can get it with BGN15 at RighteousFelon.com. Jimmy we can't even delay any further. This is a huge week. Yes. It is the dumpster fire series week, which everyone loves, obviously. It's a huge it's a huge thing. You've been doing this for what? Like 50 years now, right?
1: It's been a while. Yeah, I did I started doing them. I think I started it when I was with uh philly.com. Uh so I guess it would have been like 2013 I started doing these. Or maybe it was before, I don't remember exactly, but I've been doing them long enough. And they suck to do. Like they are <laughs> not fun to write. Because I mean, they really aren't because like they gotta be bulletproof. Like you can't just kinda throw some stuff out there and because it's gonna get picked apart by mm-hmm. like the fans of the uh the other teams. The Eagles one is easy to do, I should say that, because I've already written you know, I've written everything I possibly can about this team <laughs> with nothing going on especially. So like that's easy. Like it's easy to find the Eagles' ten biggest problems, you know, issues, reasons for concern, whatever, heading into the season. That's nothing. But the the three other teams are, you know, I don't follow them as I like. I know them well enough, but I don't follow them obviously as closely as I do the Eagles. So they're really hard to do because if you like have some kind of fact wrong, or if you just have like even one dumb point then, like, the fans of those teams will just jump all over you. So I really go out of my way to make sure that those are, like, airtight. And okay. as a result, they su- like, it sucks to do them. Now, I love the reaction afterward, but uh, it, it is a, a series that I – don't really look forward to doing but like while they're getting published they're a lot of fun and then after they're over i'm relieved that i don't have to worry about them for another year
0: everyone loves them too the the, the reaction is universally <laughs> well i'm mean, not universally because obviously the fans get upset of their own team <laughs> yes. but but all the other fans they certainly of not that team usually love them a lot so why don't yes. we just dive right in jimmy with the first team Washington
1: yeah I did Washington third and I always lead off with the Cowboys but uh, we'll start off here with Washington (laughs) I think it's more fun to write these when the like the other teams are actually good so it's more fun you know tearing down a team that like actually has some talent but with like the Giants and Washington it's just so easy to pick (laughs) on them so it's like kind of like less fun going through their roster the thing that really stood out to me the most about this team is they just have like a ton of players that like you're like, I don't even know who that guy is, mm. <laughs> you know, like, like uh, I and I put like the, the clip in from uh, Major League where they're showing like people around town, like reading the paper and looking at like a preview of the team or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're like Mitchell Friedman, Mitchell Friedman. Friedman. <laughs> <laughs> Mitchell Free- you know, it's like uh, Willie, uh, Willie Hayes, Ricky Vaughn. I've never heard of these guys. There's a lot of that going on with the roster. But I think for me, you know, obviously, I think you start with any team with the quarterback. What what is your feeling on on Dwayne
0: Haskins? Not a fan. I remember watching him last year when he first came in. I had an open mind. I didn't really have a strong opinion either way about him. Sure. uh, From Ohio State, so I had a pretty open mind, and I was like, all right, I'll see what this guy's about. And I remember, you know, just watching him. And I think I said this during the season last year when we were previewing uh, the second Washington game. He just reminded me of when I saw Mitchell Trubisky during his rookie year, and that he just looked like lost out there at times. Okay, like, he didn't look ready. He didn't know what he was doing. Now, of course, I said that before the Eagles game, and he did pretty well against. He them. had a good game against the Eagles, yeah. But that was one game against, you know, a defense that just wasn't as good against the road <laughs> right. and as like Ronald Darby coming off injury and starting. So so I think some of it was the Eagles defense also just being like terrible in that game. I, I'm not really impressed. I thought, you know, for any good moments he had, I thought there was a, a lot more questions still to be answered there. And I am, I'm not the biggest Dwayne Haskins believer.
1: Yeah, he held onto the ball for um, a long time, you know, per drop back. I forget what that number actually was. There's it was like included. longest it,
0: in the NFL. It, it,
1: was, it was heading into the Eagles game. By the time the season was over, I guess that, like they, there's just that one game thereafter. I guess he he got it out quickly (laughs) or a little Mm -hmm. more quickly in that last game because he wasn't the worst in the NFL anymore. But um, his sack percentage last year was 12.5%. So, on 12.5% of his dropbacks, he got sacked. And that was the second worst over the last decade. It was actually the second worst over the last, I think it was 14 years, but I didn't want to put 14 years because that just looked, you know, because you know, like in that 15th year, there's somebody that was worse, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I just did like the last decade. And uh, the guy, who, the only guy that had a worse sack percentage, ironically, was uh, RG three, mm-hmm. and uh, that was the year after he came back from that injury, and they rushed him back too quickly, and he wound up taking it, some punishment that year. So uh, the last two quarterbacks with a sack percentage that high were both from the team from Landover, Maryland.
0: And Jimmy, I just mentioned Ronald Darby. Ronald Darby is starting for Washington at quarterback. Yeah, so
1: I, I got some. That was that was the one thing that I got heat on from okay. all from from. Any of the three teams that I covered, uh, that was the one pushback that I got was that you know they signed uh, Kyle Fuller this offseason. Mm. so I had Darby and um, Fabian Moreau as their starting corners. Fuller is I, like, I'm, it's unclear like what kind of role he's going to play. It's possible like he starts on guy. the yeah, it's possible that he starts on the outside because he's better than Darby uh, <clears throat> or Moreau. You know when he was in Washington before he played in the slot in Kansas City, he played both outside in the slot. And he finished his time there at safety. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's necessarily a, a certainty that he's going to be a starter on the outside. In fact, anywhere I looked, like any depth chart that you look at, they had Darby and Moreau as the two outside starting corners. So, um, yeah, I mean, those corners are they're, – they're not good. I mean, they're, they're worse – for sure than what the Eagles have at at corner and probably what they had last year too, if that's even possible. But Darby really bad year last year, (laughs) like not only, not like he was always kind of like iffy in terms of his availability and his durability, but he's just so bad last year. I think the biggest problem with him was his tackling. And then uh, there's some pretty funny clips of uh, Fabian Moreau just getting destroyed on routes. I included one of them in the article but uh, he had a pretty bad year initially. He kind of uh, got a little better as the season went along. But yeah, their, their secondary
0: was bad last year, and it's going to be bad again this year. And really, I mean, when you look at this team's projection, they're like a lot of, you know, whatever kind of projections have them contending for the number one overall pick, really, this year. Like, yeah. That speaks to the point of just the lack of talent on this roster. The one thing that they do have that has potential to be great is their. Defensive front, yeah, but that's not what this series is about, Jimmy.
1: That's not, I know, <laughs> but I think I think we should just mention that sure. when I publish these things, they're all about you know negative. Don't mention any of the positives or whatever. But here I will note quickly: right. five former uh, first round picks. picks. So Chase Young this year, I think he's going to be awesome right up, right up, you know, right out of the right out of the gate. You know, you have Ryan Kerrigan, who's been kind of like borderline Hall of Famer. I was going to say borderline Hall of Famer. Yeah, and then you have Jonathan Allen. Uh, who looks good? You have Deron Payne, who they took uh, a couple years ago in the first round. Montez Sweat quietly had a pretty decent uh, rookie year last year, and then they have like these other guys like Matt Ioannitis. You look at his production. Yeah, I think he's got like fifteen, sixteen sacks over the last two years as yep. an interior defensive lineman. They have Tim Settle, big guy from from uh, Virginia Tech. Ryan Anderson got mm-hmm. some playing time last year. He's the guy that like said. If he, like, knows what his name is at the end of his career, like,
0: what was the actual quote from that guy? Did you see that? He will have played the NFL wrong if he can remember his grandkids' names.
1: That's it. Okay. Like, really? Great. But uh, he's got some talent, too. So, I mean, they they are loaded on that defensive front. Aside from that and aside from Terry McLaurin, I mean, they just got nothing. They have nothing on offense. Like the, the the another thing I pointed out early in that in that piece was their offensive line. I mean, last year they had Trent Williams hold out for the entire season. Bruce Allen and, and Trent Williams got into this gigantic pissing match, and that neither of them won. And then this offseason they finally trade him. I'm actually surprised they got as much as they did for for him. They got a third round pick, and I I think the third round pick was in the next draft, the fifth yeah. round pick in this past draft. Or uh, could, that could be reversed, but they got a three and a five, so they have like a, a couple of two or three young guys that that'll be fighting for that spot. Uh, Sadiq Charles they drafted in this in you know the, the 2020 draft. Cornelius Lucas is free agent uh, pick up, and then a guy they took in the third round a few years ago, who's been a disappointment for them. And I I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's either Jerron. I think it's Jaron, uh, Jaron Christian. Left tackle is going to be a problem for them more than likely. They signed Wes Schweitzer. Another uh, Mitchell Friedman <laughs> on their roster uh, from Atlanta. He's their left guard, and then they sort of have like a like a replacement level guy in uh, Chase Roulier playing center. I mean, I maybe I might be selling Chase Roulier a little bit short. He's he's an average average starter, I'd say. But the left side of their line really has uh, the makings of of uh, some potential. trouble. By the way, Derek Barnett, if he doesn't produce against these teams, mm. Nate Solder for the Giants then uh, i think there's real room for for concern with him
0: yeah so i mean you just look at this roster like i said again there's just not a whole lot to be excited by you specifically mentioned that jeremy sprinkle again yeah. who is that <laughs> is there like starting tight end <laughs> yes richard rodgers is one of their top tight ends i guess. He's probably yeah. their number 2 tight end, yeah. I do like Ron Rivera if i have to say something positive about this Washington yeah. team. although i i was reading Hogs Haven, the Washington version of Bleeding Green Nation. They they do a good series. A guy over there named Bill in Bangkok is his uh username. Does a really good <laughs> like in-depth breakdown of like uh different positions in the NFC East and kind of like ranking them and stuff. And one he had for head coach though there was, like, a poll in the article. It's like, who's the best head coach in the NFC East? And, like, it was Rivera, like, by secret <laughs> like over Doug Peterson. And then people yeah, brought okay. that up in the comments. It's like, like are you serious? And they're like, <laughs> right. well, no, well, actually, if you look at the records, it's not all that different. And it's like, <laughs> right. give me a break. Yeah, that's a little ridiculous. And they're not going to have an off season though. That's the thing. Even if, like, you do like Rivera. And I do think Rivera— But hold brings- on. If that's
1: the argument, Mike McCarthy surely has a way better record than him, right? Yeah. Right?
0: He has uh-huh. to, right? So it, that's silly. That's just, that's <laughs> clear homerism to me. Come on, what are we doing? Like Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. He's done a lot more with less. Anyway, I don't want to get too bogged down on that. I just wanted to say he, that he's think, a
1: boring coach, which I think is fine. Like,
0: yeah, like, he brings legitimacy but, to like yes. this totally like dis like totally just joke of an organization. It's like, oh, Ron Rivera, like that's a guy who like kind of knows what he's doing. He's not like a total doofus. He's a former player
1: which I think players respect. I think, you know, his track record in the NFL, players do respect and like him. Players talked about him very glowingly after he left uh, Comes Carolina. from a good coaching they, tree. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree, of course. But They could have easily gone out and hired some kind of like Steve, Steve Sperrier kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, they, they kind of went the boring route, which I think for that team was the right way to
0: go. What else about Washington, Jimmy?
1: Darius Geis is their guy uh, that is just going to frustrate them every year, I think. Because <laughs> he's he's got three significant injuries, lower body injuries in his career already. Like, you can clearly see
0: that he has talent. He's going to be that guy It's just really frustrated because he, he just can't stay healthy. Jimmy, two more things I want to say about Washington are your number one point, which I don't think we stopped down on enough, like made clear enough that like, who cares about this team, really? Like you said, right. who cares about this team? I mean, even like within the DMV, I feel like, I mean, obviously there are Washington fans there, but I don't really have experience of that area, too. I know like good friend um, Patrick Ball kind of grew up around Virginia. So like he would always kinda of hate Washington more than the other NFC's teams because you know he would have to deal with those Washington fans. And uh John Stolness also is kind of like a Washington area guy. I guess those kind of guys, when you're around it, like you dislike him more. But to me, like, I don't even know if I can tell you of any Washington fans that I know, like in my real life. And if they are, like I can think of maybe a couple older guys, but like no one young. Like no one young at all.
1: You know, their fans are more realistic too about their team. Like they know their team is garbage. And they know that like their organization is garbage. Well, what's that go back to? They know their owner is garbage. So yes. like they're fully they're they have uh, they have a lot of fa- you know like team awareness about what that about you know what they are. Whereas mm-hmm. like the Giants, for example, their fans do not have that same awareness. Mm-hmm. They're under like this delusion that they like that's some great organization. They're, they've been better than three teams in the last six years, record-wise. Mm. But you're right. I think your your general point there, you know, who cares about this team? It's like, who cares? They're they're not only bad, they're also
0: boring. Their stadium gets taken over by Eagles fans every year. It's the that worst, actually, stadium, the worst in the, stadium in the, in, in, the NFL. in the NFL by far that I've been to. It's just a total joke. The owner is a joke. The fact that they're still not changing their name is just like, obviously, just such a joke. <laughs> right, right. Jimmy, Let's move on from this garbage team. Why don't we okay. why don't we go to break here? Do you have a message for me? Do you have anything to tell me before we get a break?
1: Well, yes. Kristen and Stephanie Roach of Roach Realtors, Brandon. Yeah. They boast over 50 years of combined wow. experience in real estate sales. If you're looking for a new home, they're dedicated to listening intently and matching individuals and families with a home and neighborhood that best fits their needs. And they are expert negotiators who know the market trends and can get you the best price possible. If you're- looking to sell your home, Kristen and Stephanie understand that buyers more than ever are doing the bulk of their searching for a new home online. So it's paramount that your listing pops off the screens of it pops off the screen and grabs buyers attention. So they employ professional photographers including drone photography for overhead shots, experts in interior expert uh, in, in interior and exterior design. They can help stage your home. And I even help them actually write the descriptions of some of the properties. So if you like my writing, then hire them. If you don't like my writing, then hire somebody else, I guess. (laughs) But uh, check out their reviews. Again, Kristen and Stephanie Roach uh, on Zillow.com. You'll find Nary a review that is four stars or less. Five stars across the board for a free consultation or market analysis of your home. Call or text Kristen at 856 906 9295. I'll repeat that. 856 906 9295. Or hell, you can just email me, jimmy at phillyvoice.com.
0: Brandon. Back after this, back here on BGN Radio, episode 126, 126, with the NFC East Roast slash Dumpster Fire series. We talked about Washington, Jimmy. Now let's start with. A team that employs my favorite general manager in the NFL. In my opinion, this guy (laughs) is my favorite general manager, Dave Gettleman of the New York Giants. I mean, don't you have to start with him when you talk about this team?
1: He actually is my favorite uh, GM in the league because he's very entertaining. I say that unironically, yes. He really is. He's entertaining, and the things he says, like, he's just like, the things he says is crazy. Like, he's crazy. He he's said age doesn't matter last year. Positional uh importance doesn't matter, position positional, positional value doesn't matter. Yeah, it's a croc. That's what it was. It's was a crock. Totally in over his head. And he's been in the league forever, too. <sighs> Just like it's 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 so weird that like guys like can last in the league as, as long as he has. I can't believe they didn't fire him this offseason. Like what is he what does he have to show for the two years that he was the GM and they keep him for another year? It's unreal. They hired, they, they fired Pat Shermer. Like you'd think that'd be an opportunity to just completely overhaul both the coaching staff and the front office. But they're like, you know what? Pat Shermer, you were bad. You got to go. <laughs> Dave Gettleman, uh, you were somehow better at your job than Pat Shermer was. Now, Pat Shermer was bad, clearly. But was Dave Gettleman better at his job than Pat Shermer was at his job? Is that what is that what I'm to understand here?
0: I mean, look at their roster and like what are you what are you really <laughs> pointing to that's like yes, like this is on the rise. This is promising. Like, is that really what you're telling me with Daniel Jones? And even if it is, like, okay, that's one thing. Look at the rest of the roster.
1: Yeah. I mean they, they have Saquon, but they had to take they they used him with a second overall pick.
0: That's a that's an indictment. That's <laughs> a joke. Yeah, that's, Yes. like that's laughable.
1: The record I, I mentioned before, there's only three teams. With a worse record of the last uh, six years than the Giants, uh, over that span there are there are thirty five and sixty one for a uh, winning percentage of three sixty five. They actually had a um, an eight and four record over that span over Washington. So if you take those twelve games out, they're twenty seven and fifty seven for a three twenty one winning percentage. The only teams with worse records. Did you, did you read, can you guess them? Did you read this? Do you already know what what the answer is?
0: Uh, I'm going to get, yeah, I did, but uh, the Browns. One of them's obvious.
1: Yeah, Browns, uh
0: uh-huh. Now I'm seeing it here. The Jags are second, and then you have the Bucks first overall.
1: Yeah, and at least the Jaguars made it to an AFC championship game. Yeah. You know, like, at least they have something to show. Where Giants did make the playoffs once within that span.
0: Yeah, but that was such like a fluky year. They had an easy schedule. They got blown out, yeah. That was the boat. It's all been downhill.
1: Yes, right. As soon as uh, OBJ was on that boat. It really has gone all downhill for them, but they, they they had their point differential was really low. I think they were like eleven and five. They won yeah. a lot of like they won a lot of games too. by like one, two, or three points. It was pretty it was pretty obvious that it was going to turn around the next year. Like they weren't going to have that same kind of luck, and that's exactly what happened. But that they've they've become in recent years. I mean, obviously they, they have the two semi recent Super Bowls, I guess, like the last one being in twenty eleven. Mm-hmm. But really in in the last you know, half decade plus, they've, they, they're they one of the worst teams in the NFL.
0: Every year when the Eagles play them, it's like a free win. Like that's, I know some of the games have been close. And the Eagles had to come back. But like, are you really scared of the Giants at all? To me, I really just <laughs> right. assume it's always like we we're going through the schedule of this year predicting wins and losses. How can yes. you possibly predict the Giants <laughs> to beat the Eagles? Like you can't do it. Like until you yeah. actually see it happen. <laughs> right. They're twenty and four now or something like that in, in the last twenty four games. Like that's insane. Like division games are tough. Like I don't care. You know, usually like that's that's an accomplishment for the Eagles to be able to do that. It's also an indictment of the Giants and how just miserable they've been because like, you know, division things, weird things can happen. Those games can be closer than you expect. And there have been some meaningless like week 17 games in there, too. But even despite all that, like the Eagles have just dominated this team. And part of it has just been the Giants have been awful. Their defense, entirely shreddable, except for like that one year where it was good. And I mean, Eli Manning, obviously, it was a huge joke and overstayed his welcome. And the Giants were so dumb to hold on to him for as long as they did. I mean, it's just an entire joke of a team. They've been a joke of a team. I guess people feel like they have hope now because they have Daniel Jones. And I feel like Daniel Jones uh, exceeded my expectations. I think he exceeded expectations... I would pole, agree with that. Yeah. As a uh-huh. I don't think he's a lost cause. I don't. Like I No,
1: I think he's got he's got some talent. I'm yeah. with you there. He,
0: he makes some like legit I know you the Danny Dime is a nickname. You hate, but like he legitimately <laughs> makes some yeah. like legit like dime throws. Like he yes. does, he makes some legitimately like wow throws. I, yeah. So I think he has talent. I'm definitely higher on him than I am Dwayne Haskins. I just think he showed more. But uh you kind of wrote here, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. The big flaw in his game is is the turnovers? I mean,
1: similar in some ways to Carson Wentz with the fumbling, yeah. but not similar in any way to Carson Wentz with the number of you know interceptions that he threw last year. So there was only one game that he that he played last year where uh, he didn't have a turnover, and that was Week yeah. 16 against Washington. Mm-hmm. On the season, he had 12 picks, he had uh, 11 fumbles lost, uh, and he only became the starter in Week three, and he missed. Two games late in the season. So he only Legal started. Scene, yeah. The number of turnovers that he has is kind of crazy. And when you actually look at them, so I pulled video of every turnover that he had. Like some of the fumbles are like, you know, blindside hits where, or like a blindside guy reaching out and like knocking the ball out of his hands as he's throwing. You don't really blame him for those, maybe, but there's a lot of careless ones where. He shouldn't have. He just, he just flat out shouldn't have fumbled. And then some of the interceptions are just bad. Like we're not talking like like in the article. Uh, yeah, I remember like a big thing that Giants fans used to do back in the day. They just blame every Eli interception on Ruben Randall. <laughs> like Ruben Randall around the wrong route. Ruben Randall. uh didn't catch the ball and it shot up in the air and it got picked. It's all Reuben Randall's fault. Any, anything, anytime there's any Eli blame to go around, they point to Reuben Randall. So there's no Reuben Randall scenario going on with his picks. Like they're all like either bad throws, bad decisions or a combination of the two. So he's got to get a lot better in terms of uh, decision-making and also just taking better care of the football because if he turns the ball over, like as his career progresses
0: the way that he is he's basically just gonna be Jay Cutler I think he snowballs I really do like, I, I remember specifically watching that week seven game against the Cardinals last year and I think he was like looking okay for a bit but then like late in the game he just like totally fell apart like he was pressing he's just trying to do too much and maybe you know that's something you kind of work on he was a rookie I think that's also just like a bad hallmark in quarterbacks like you see where like okay you know how the, how do they respond to a mistake and I think with Jones like he's clearly just kind of he's snowballing like you see these numbers like it's it's like okay he has three two turnovers like it it, it comes it just it's like a bad start and then it just gets worse I think that's a, a thing with him and uh yeah like you said I mean that the specifically the fumble that Jamal Adams just literally just runs up to him and like takes the ball out of his hands like some yes. of the carelessness <laughs> right. is really yes. bad and I, I remember going back last year and I don't have it in front of me now and I didn't I don't think I tracked it through the end of the year, but I was like looking back at his turnover slash fumble numbers through college, and like they're horrible. Like going, yes. even going back to Duke, like so this has always been an issue. This isn't even just like a bad rookie season. Like this was a big issue at Duke for him. So like, I don't think it's just totally going away.
1: Yeah, thirty six games at Duke. I don't know how many fumbles total he had, but I know that he lost thirteen fumbles. Mm-hmm. And in college, that's not good. So like, you know, in the NFL, like these guys are, you know, they're a lot better in the NFL at ripping the ball away than they are in college. So you had 13 lost fumbles in three years at Duke. That is really a bad stat. So it's not just a fluky thing that happened in his
0: rookie season in the NFL that goes back to his time in college. He's still dealing with an offensive line that is not, uh, (laughs) certainly, at the very least, is not among the league's best. Right. How would you assess their offensive line, Jimmy?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, their worst player last year on the O-line was Nate Solder, who is also who also happens to be now the the I mean before it was Eli but now that he's gone he is now their highest paid player hmm. which is crazy like another gentleman special the, <laughs> the deal that they gave him just it never made any so I understand like overpaying for a left tackle when you are what they were because they had Eric Flowers as their left tackle and you know there were, there were times where you know the opposing right defensive end would just. You know, completely wrecked the game because Eric Flowers couldn't block him. So I understand the idea of like maybe overpaying for an offensive tackle that off season, but not him. Like he was he was gonna be he was gonna turn thirty years old in like a month when they signed him. So when they signed him, he was like twenty nine years and eleven months old, and they they gave him the the highest offensive line deal in history at the time. It was four years, sixty two million. And like they weren't good and they weren't going to be good for a long time. So the idea of giving a 30-year-old left tackle the money that he got when the team – by the time they were going to get good, it was highly likely that Solder was going to go into decline. It's just such a mind-blowingly dumb thing to do. And then they also traded sort of part of the OBJ deal. So they traded OBJ for a one and Peppers. And then separately, they traded Olivier Vernon for Kevin Zeitler, the the right guard. Zeitler's getting up there in age two. So it's kind of the same thing. Like they traded, you know, their best pass rusher basically for uh, a guy that was – he's not as old as Solder. But again, the same concept where by the time the Giants are going to be good, like that guy's going to probably be in decline. So he just wanted to fix the offensive line, but no thought, amazingly – into the age of these players and how they're going to fit into the team's plan long term.
0: Bad Jimmy, it's not a good situation.
1: <laughs> Pro-, Pro Football Focus had Solder down for uh, 11 sacks last year. That's where like my research kind of began on him during you know while writing this. So I watched every giant sack on the season, and I got through like the first five or six games. Almost all these are Solder so far. Like, did he get a lot better as the season went along? And I'm thinking that can't be right because I know that like Vinny Curry got him for two last year, so I know those are coming down the line. And they just kept coming and coming. Like I, I had him down for at 18. least being at least part, at least partly culpable. Like I wouldn't necessarily put the sack on him for all of these, but at least partly culpable for 19 of their sacks last year
0: and seven forced fumbles.
1: Yes, at least one of them was returned for a touchdown. It might have been two, hmm. but he he kind of has an excuse. I didn't realize this until later but I guess he, his kid was diagnosed with with uh I believe it was Hodgkin's. Jeez. So he did spend a lot of time during the season uh in the hospital with his mm-hmm. kid. So he's that probably played a I mean sure. not probably it certainly yeah. played a part in his bad season last year. But uh nevertheless heading into this season that that is a uh a, a troublesome spot as is you know, other parts of, of their offensive lines, namely center. They have a guy named Spencer Pulley. He's a replacement level guy. They have Andrew Thomas, who they drafted with the fourth overall pick, which fine. I understand you need you need to build up your offensive line. Mm-hmm. There wasn't, you know, an obvious player that they should have taken instead of him. But again, you're looking at a rookie. Playing
0: at right tackle. You want to list the, some of the guys he's going to have to face next year? Brandon Graham. Yeah, I have it right here. It's Marcus <laughs> Lawrence twice. <laughs> yeah. Chase Young slash Ryan Kerrigan twice. Brandon Graham twice. Khalil Mack, Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt, Eric Armstead, D. Ford, Matt Judon. The Ravens. Isaiah Simmons, and then Jason Pierre-Paul.
1: Like gets brutal. That's like yeah. that's that's on a similar level as like what Lane Johnson had to face the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Mm. So he's in for. <laughs> He's in for probably some welcome to the NFL moments. So yeah, again, like their 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 pass rushes, or I'm sorry, not their pass. Well, their pass rush is going to be bad too. We'll get to that in a second. But mm-hmm. their pass protection is really going to be in for for you know another rough season, I believe.
0: Yeah, and you just said it there. Their pass rush isn't good either. They're just not good in the trenches.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're okay against the run. Like D- Doug. Yeah. Doug would would tell us like uh, off the record during the season that. You know, he, he felt like they had a really good run defense and they better. Like, and like mm-hmm. they're all huge up front. Their three interior linemen are Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Leonard Williams. Well, Leonard Williams, they picked up during the season last year. Mm-hmm. But those are, you know, those are all 300 plus pound guys. And Dexter Lawrence is like, you know, like 340, 350. Dalvin Tomlinson's way up there. So, I mean, they better be good at stopping the run, you know? So, uh, but they, they aren't good at, at getting to the quarterback. They're two edge rushers that, have shown the most so far. And they're both young guys in uh, Lorenzo Carter and uh, Zimenez. Uh, Old Dominion, was it, Was he from? They both had four and a half sacks each uh, last year. So maybe there's some optimism for those guys. You know, those are essentially their leading sackers returning this year are Zimenez and Carter, both with 4.5. And then the three interior guys that I mentioned last year, they combined for six sacks last year. So not at all an intimidating, pr- like you look at Washington's front compared to this front. Like Washington's, I don't know their seventh or eighth best pass rusher is probably the Giants' best pass rusher.
0: Yeah, it's not a good group, and you know the secondary is also. Like, they're still and, and the linebacker, like the defense as a whole, is just not really anything. Like who are you scared of on that defense? I mean, nothing. If you're trying to run the ball up the middle, maybe you're scared of that. Like you're you don't maybe you don't love that because. They had some good run stuffers, like you mentioned, but I mean the secondary exposable. I thought Blake Martinez is a classic, like Dave Gettleman signing in that. Oh, Blake Martin Blake Martinez, like there's a recognizable name. He yeah. started for the Packers. He's compiled stats, but like he's slow. You you have him down here for a four point seven, um, not good in coverage by all accounts, and like so he's not even like a modern NFL linebacker, you know. And that's clearly you know not Dave Gettleman's mo or or forte, if you will kind of being a modern football guy. And really that comes down to like, just to sum it up here about the Giants, like that kind of comes down to it for me. Why, like, why would you take this team seriously when the guy in charge of this roster is just like a total joke, doesn't know what he's doing. And then (laughs) I don't even know what to make a Joe judge. I know, you know, we've gone over here before that you don't like him or (laughs) you're skeptical. And I get it, but I kind of just don't know either way. If I had to say, like if I have to take a side here and have a take, I would say I'm not optimistic because He's inexperienced, first-year head coach without this offseason, and you just look at the Belichick coaching tree, and it's not very good. It's very bad, actually. I think the indicators there aren't positive. I will allow for he's just such an unknown that there could be upside. I don't know. I just That's like kind of me throwing darts at the wall. I guess that's what you're kind of selling yourself on. If you're a Giants fan, you're like, well, maybe it could go right. I don't know, but that doesn't seem like the best case. So, so yeah, I think the Giants stink. They're in a total spot where, like, they don't deserve benefit of the doubt at all. They, they totally have to be a prove-you-wrong kind of team.
1: Yeah, admittedly, on the judge point, I am judging judge. Mm, uh, maybe nice. a little a little early there. Because we haven't seen him. We haven't seen like bad game plans from him yet. We haven't seen dumb, down-and-distance type decisions yet. Like, is he punting on fourth and two from the 38? You know what I mean? So we haven't seen anything like that yet. But just the notion that... He just refused to mention any player's name for almost four months after he got hired. Like, could you imagine a coach doing that in Philly? Wouldn't fly. Like, it would just become sort of like almost a challenge to see who could get him to name a player first. But he would, mm-hmm. like, if that happened in Philly, everyone would just make fun of him. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird how like the New York media kind of gets this reputation as you know being all hard. Not at all. Like, it's not I a kind football of don't... town. <laughs> kind of don't see that at all, where he was able to just kind of get away with that without being totally uh, criticized. Is maybe the wrong word, but like, why? What, what, what is this? What is this? I guess they did ask that, and they, he did give an answer, but I, I, I feel like he would have gotten killed for that in Philly. Would have, you know. You would have mentioned some names a little earlier than he than he had, but like you wouldn't even he wouldn't even like he, like at the combine, for example, he got asked if uh, like what he liked about Daniel Jones, and he was just like, "I'm not, I'm not talking about any players." Like mm-hmm. it's just such a layup to just go, "Yeah, I think he's smart, and he does this, that, and the other thing good." And yeah, like uh, that's it's it. It's a non-story. You don't have to commit to anything. Just I, I think he's good at this, this, and this. The the th- the theory that I think makes some sense with the Belichick disciples is that they enter their jobs with sort of a hubris that they've accomplished a lot Mm -hmm. when really they don't have the clout at all like a Bill Belichick does but they feel like maybe they do or they should or they want to sort of coach their new team the way that Belichick has and Belichick can get away with that because he's Belichick Mm -hmm. but these guys can't
0: so and they had a hall of fame quarterback (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's part of it too. But I mean, there's no question that like Belichick can does command sort of the uh, respect. They yeah, the respect of his players. But these guys that get hired from his tree, they come, they go to these new places, and then they don't have that same respect from the players, and it kind of falls apart. Or that's it feels like that has happened with some of these Belichick disciples in the past. I'm not saying it's happening here, but there is a little bit of a hint of that with the not not
0: mentioning players' names, which, again, is just weird. Jimmy, before we get to the final team here in the NFC's, the Dallas Cowboys, which I know everyone is really waiting for, because that's the best one, obviously. Uh, I want to let you know, Jimmy, that BJN Radio is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, the meat snacks that fuel your Philadelphia Eagles. That's right, Righteous Felon Jerky and Snack Sticks are served at the Eagles' NovaCare Complex fueling station, where players get their pre- and post-workout protein if it's good enough for the Eagles, it's got to be good enough for you, BGN Radio listeners, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. It uses locally sourced all-natural black Angus beef and is committed to elevating the meat snacks category with superior quality and creative branding. You can try all the flavors. Jimmy talked about his favorite, the, what, Fal-Capone Fal Capone Fal Capone, yes. So there's a lot of different options. Definitely try them all. Why not? There's a bunch of good flavors you can go to RighteousFelon.com and use discount code BGN15, that's BGN15, at checkout to get 15% off your order. There's no limit on how many times you can use the discount code, so use BGN15, and make like your favorite team, and load up on the same meat snacks the Philadelphia Eagles do. Jimmy? Back after this. bgn